Hello. Hello. How are you guys? I'm doing great. How are you? You know, I'm here, and it's been kind of a rough day, but oh, I'm sorry. Life goes on, and it's nice to interact with people. Just make biscuits, and it will all be okay. Yeah, make biscuits. <laughs> well, yeah. I am Izzy. We have texted. Yo, Izzy. Nice Howdy. Hi, I'm um, Klaus. Hi, Klaus. <laughs> <laughs> Last time I knew you, I called you Nicholas. I love the name Klaus. Oh, like, thanks. So much. Yeah, it, I think it fits him so well. It's beautiful. All right. So um, how we start is we have, we like to have our guests introduce themselves with, you can use your full name, you can use your business name, you can use whatever you want. And then if you could just give your pronouns as well, because we're trying totally. to be inclusive and just have everybody introduce themselves that way. Absolutely. And then we'll dive in. I have questions ready. Cool. So go ahead and introduce yourself. Yes, ma'am. Uh, hey, gang. I am Vic, or Victoria, of Tarot with Vic, and I use the pronouns she, her, hers, or they. Beautiful. I'm so glad you're here with us today. Word. It's uh, <laughs> nice to virtually meet with friends, I guess. I can't, I don't know. It's weird. It is weird. are not a replacement for like face-to-face -face interaction, but it's also all we have. So it's, you know, you got to be grateful, I guess. Yeah, it's definitely like making the best of a worse situation. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I, like, this has really highlighted how much of a people person I am, as if like reading cards for people in public didn't already convey that to the world. Um, <laughs> apparently it wasn't obvious to me <laughs> until all of this <laughs> happened. <laughs> That's what's that's really funny because like I've always considered myself a people person until quarantine and then I'm like, oh no, I am antisocial. Like I could totally survive not speaking to people all the like at all. Like I'm yeah. here for it. I find I oscillate very quickly between God, I hate all of you and you're all so stupid. Um and man, I would give anything to hug like the first person that walks by. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can I can see that. Well, let's dive in. Do you want to tell us about Tarot with Vic? Like, Sure. I'm just going to do like the personal backstory side of it before we actually do the philosophy of tarot because that can oh, go I would love for that. days. But I personally have been reading cards for I'd say six or seven years. I didn't really put like a start date to it because it was a very slow, uh, slow warm up. Um, I had, I don't know, I had been interested in people who would use it on Tumblr because uh, that's a lot of people's gateway to a lot of things. I got my own deck kind of secretly um, and I was like living on my own in a dormitory at the time so I don't know why it was a secret probably because I grew up in a, in a pretty Christian household like a lot of tarot readers I find uh, and I used it very privately for for years and just kind of got to know how it worked for me. Uh, I definitely had way bigger expectations for it at first um, and I think a lot of people would kind of agree and, and understand and maybe uh, empathize, em empathize with that a little bit because a lot of the exposure we have to materials that are related to I don't know mediumship or or any kind of like witchcraft or um, or spiritual practices that are associated with more I guess like native or indigenous practices or or like anything that can be sensationalized is by means of Hollywood or things that we're exposed to up and so I was expecting I'm going to get these cards and I'm going to be able to read the future uh not the case <laughs> yeah. at all 
very disappointing. You're um, given any magical powers or like no. ghosts or spirits? <laughs> no. Uh, if anything, it kind of, uh, after a lackluster start, you know, it, it really, <laughs> it really became a, a tool just for me. Um, it was a very private thing and a, and a beautiful private thing that I could use to, to answer questions that I probably already had the answers to but I didn't have the access to them. Uh, language falls short a lot of times. And tarot is a very, it's a pictorial language. And after doing that for a while, and this ties in with me, I guess, being a very social person, um, my partner, we started doing family dinners at my house once a week, uh, last August, actually. I, this is a thing that I've always loved is, is hosting parties and, and just having people over and having things be casual and approachable. Um, my grandma was an excellent hostess. Maybe that's where I get it from. But, you know, I hate not having places to gather with people um, without spending money or going to a bar and being pressured to consume alcohol. And so we did this thing at our home every week where we would cook a meal and anybody who wants to come, anybody who wants to bring people they know, they're invited. And we would close every family dinner with a tarot reading. Um, and it just became a, a thing that people expected after a while. It's like, okay, guys, thanks, fine. It's like, wait, what about our tarot reading? Um, and I did not expect that at all. Like um, I had dessert a, and now I need my tarot. Yeah, it's like, excuse me, you can't me just send me on my way without my fortune. <laughs> yeah, it, it, that just, it was really funny to me because I thought it was such a small thing and so insignificant. And eventually a really good friend of mine, Alex, uh, if she's listening, shout out, Alex, this is all her fault. Uh, she said, why don't people, you're really good at it. And that was a weird push. <laughs> like good at this thing that I only kind of understand. Thanks. And she, she was really the catalyst, uh, honestly. And she's like, yeah, make an Instagram, start doing it. And before I knew it, I hit a hundred followers and that was like a really big deal. Um, I'm not much past that right now, but it's, it's super exciting. You know, it's like, wow, people are really interested in what I have to say about this. That's crazy. And a friend of mine who I, I used to work for who owns a local bar, uh, the, I became the resident tarot reader there really quickly. And I was doing gigs there once or twice a week um, and reading for different people every single time. Um, and I had some regulars here and there. I did a reading for somebody on the other side of the country and we had to coordinate time zones, which was really bizarre for me. And yeah, it's just I, I've lost track of how many people I've had the opportunity to read cards for. And many of these people... I never would have met otherwise. And for the majority of them, I would say I was their first tarot reading, which is a huge honor. And then COVID hit and we are all at home and I, I don't get to have that interaction at the bar that I'm the resident at. Um, and it's, it's weird because I think now more than ever, we are looking for things to ground us. And for me, tarot is often one of those. I haven't been touching cards as much, I think, because I'm, you know, where do you start? <laughs> um, and mm -hmm. at the same time, while the people, um, a lot of the people that like, like will follow my, my daily cards or whatever on Instagram or, or people who will um, text me like their card polls and you're like, Hey, what does this mean? Um, they don't know where to start either. And so I, I get maybe one reading a week and then I'll do like readings for the collective. Um, which are just, you know, it's nice to just hear my voice out loud sometimes because I'm, I'm at home silent, like working on my computer, doing classes or whatever. And it's it's just been weird. It's a lot to be alive. And tarot is something that I think is a tool to, like a, a boat to get in and sail through with. Um, 
it's by no means a solution, but I think people turn to many different things to ground them, whether journaling, meditation, and, and tarot, I think, in my life at least, it's very different for everybody who uses it. It falls into that category. Yeah, I agree. I love that. I have a long, varied history with tarot as well, and I feel like my journey is like very different yet very similar. Like, yeah. I think there's definitely that overlap of like not like feeling like you've never you never completely understand what it is or what you're doing. <laughs> um, yeah, or as soon as I you do, like, yeah, it changes. And then I thought I was like alone in that, so that like it's reassuring to totally hear that there that that's like normal to feel like I don't necessarily understand it or like that I haven't just because I haven't like studied my cards or my book well enough doesn't mean that I can't be like a conduit and And that I'm not the only one experiencing that oh absolutely and that's one of the um one of the things that can be really frustrating about um going I guess going public with your tarot and offering services to other people and kind of becoming a part of um what's called like the the tarot community online. Uh, I am faced all the time with imposter syndrome of like, wow, these people have been doing this way more than me. Or this person is like booked every day or this person books out like a month in advance. Like that's crazy. Or this person charges six times the amount that I do for some of my readings sometimes. Okay. Six is an exaggeration. It's like three. Um, But it's like, there's always going to be somebody who, seems to know more than you or is more articulate or is busier, has more clients or more regulars um, or more Instagram followers. I mean, I think all of us can, um, whether you read cards or not, can identify with feeling not enough. And that is the exact opposite of the point of tarot cards. I think the the purpose of a tarot reading is for us and for, for um, to enter into that world and then not feel like enough is really counterintuitive and not productive. Totally. I, yeah, I love to hear that. I think that that's very accurate with a lot of things and then especially things that tend to be more spiritual. Yes. I think that, um, that puts a a big weight on it because we, first of all, it's not tangible. We see it as this, uh, this lofty, like, Oh, spiritual practice. That's, that's something that I probably have to pay money for. Right. (laughs) Um, So there's something about it that seems inaccessible, or um, a little too esoteric to pin down and ascribe meaning to in a way that will stay the same. Because one of the points of spirit or attaching to some divine power or whatever you call it, um, it's all, it all kind of takes the same vein, honestly, is, is that it's going to change over time. And you will, like the, the concept is that maybe you will go deeper with it or it will accrue more meaning over time or more value. And the idea of not feeling enough <laughs> in doing something like that or in, or of not having the right to that or um, not doing it properly, that, that fear is rampant because it seems so important. We put such a big value on it. Totally. I know like within my meditation practice, I have learned that I have to like very consciously put away the idea of am I doing this right? Because like, you know, because, like, meditating, like, the type of meditations I do, there's, like, a lot of different breath patterns, and there's a lot of different, like, there's oming, and then there's different, like, movements you do. And in the beginning, it was very easy to be, like, well, I can't do that meditation because I don't know the movements exactly. Mm-hmm. And now, like, it's learning that it's, like, no, it's not about, like, doing it, quote, unquote, right or being, like, perfect in it. It's, like, your posture within yourself when you do it. 
Totally. It's about opening yourself up and kind of like, it's almost like the more you focus on like, am I doing it right? The more you like lose the point of doing it. Absolutely. <laughs> Where it's like you have to kind of like look at it out the side of your eye a little bit and see it and just let it kind of come to you instead of chasing it down. Which is a hard thing to try to explain to people as well. <laughs> like it's hard it to is. explain. I mean, anybody that, who's like, anybody who's like gone stargazing before can, can relate to that. Just the metaphor of if you look directly at a star, you can't see it anywhere near as clearly and as brightly as if you were to look to the side of it and kind of gaze off and just happen to see it <laughs> and come up, come across it in this in this beautiful haphazard manner that you definitely had to do on purpose with yeah, attention. Totally. But it's you can't attack it directly and get the same result and I think that's that's kind of similar I love that analogy because that's definitely I've never understood how to explain it to people but I think that that's a really good way to please take that it is not I'm gonna borrow that yeah (laughs) (laughs) no rights reserved here (laughs) because the intention part is so important as well and it's like you have to try to like be like yes you have to do it with intention you just can't do it with like force necessarily And I mean, almost any, um, anything that we do for ourselves, if you overanalyze it, you're going to strip away whatever benefit you're going to get out of it. Completely. I think that, and I mean, it, you can even, you can even talk to, to skeptics and I, I love talking to skeptics about this. I approach tarot very skeptically myself, mm-hmm. um, about esoteric things like tarot or astrology or numerology or any, any ology, honestly, um, by saying like, if someone gets meaning out of it, if it, if it gives benefit to somebody's life by by helping them find a place in the world or by helping them like, like identify with something, then it is valuable. It doesn't matter whether or not it's correct. Um, if it doesn't matter if you're meditating properly according to, to someone who's been doing it for 50 years, if you're just starting out, if you get something out of it, then it's worth it. Completely. Yes. I totally agree with you. And I feel that way about many things and like everything out there can be used as a sham Like, that's not, that's something that tends to, like, the more, like, esoteric things seem to, like, people seem to automatically assume that, like, you know, palm readers and, like, tarot card readers are just out to scam you. And then whenever people, like, bring that up, I'm like, well, what do you think, like, the, like, Catholic Church has been doing? Like, or, like, Christianity? Like, I'm like, how many times has that been used to, like, quote, unquote, scam people? Like, it's not something that's unique to anyone sort of like spirituality <laughs> that's true that's true I've never thought of that comparison um, people used to literally pay money to like have their sins be wiped away so they could go to heaven like I feel like that's exactly the same <laughs> like yeah it is it's so, a, but, yeah and uh I have to admit there are a lot of sham esoteric um totally people yeah. users uh, sellers out there um, and, I, and I'm the first person to say, like, yeah, you should be skeptical. I mean, this is mm-hmm. for you. If it's for you and you're not being skeptical, you're selling yourself short. You're not yes. you're doing yourself a disservice by that. I once had a guy um, sit down for a reading and this and this man was just, he just had a lot to say. <laughs> and I won't disclose anything about his reading because that's a part of like my my ethics and, and the code that I like to follow uh, that I've made for myself. But he was telling me about a previous reading that he had had and how oh yeah, I got a reading 15 years ago and this lady, she pulled a card for me and, and it was the God card. I'm like, first of all, sir, that doesn't exist. Uh, and and she just like, she was blown away. She's like, I, I've been reading cards for 15 years and I've, no one's ever gotten that card before. And I just looked him dead ass in the eye and I said, well, she doesn't shuffle very well then, does she? <laughs> he just, he was not happy with that at all. But it it was just so obvious. It's like, 
dude, that's, that's not real. <laughs> and, and that means I'm going to be so successful and that everything's going to come my way. And it was true. I became a lawyer and all these things happened. And I'm like, that's not even real. Like, or maybe it was just don't that you... he thought everything was going to go his way. Yeah. And I mean, like... <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to downplay a guy having a good life. That's great. But I, I see all the time people who are very critical, people who are very skeptical, who make a lot of assumptions and Rather than rather than coming down on them um, with, but all these other people do this thing too. But mostly because you know I'm also trying to sell them a thing, or I'm trying to to share with them a thing that's really important to me. Um, I I applaud them because I I tend to approach cards with a dose of skepticism myself. I think that's the only way that makes it worth doing for a lot mm-hmm. of people, and I think that it um, it places a valuation on what you ingest as a client of hey if I'm going to get a reading and it's going to be about me I want to know that I can take it seriously and that I'm adding something valuable to my life and not just you know wasting 20 bucks at a bar on a Friday night and and I applaud them for that and I think um for me personally I I get the sense that it helps me build trust with people and that's something that's really important in a tarot reading between a reader and a client um but it also helps me respect myself and my practice and stand up for what is important to me Totally, yeah. Do you want to dive in and talk more about tarot in general? Absolutely. You brought up a word earlier, uh, which I think is really easy to latch on to as far as conversation goes, and that's assumptions. Um, There are a lot of assumptions involved with tarot, and I don't need to necessarily go into what they all are, because I think anybody listening to this podcast is going to know um, what their assumptions about it might be. And I, I can't possibly go through and address them all one by one. <laughs> totally. But I think that being being confronted with assumptions is something that we can all um, identify with, regardless of where we're coming from. We've all had an assumption made about us at some point that was not accurate and that might have made us feel icky or misunderstood or excluded Um or, or even um, positive assumptions that aren't accurate. Like, oh, like you can tell my future. Um, I can't. And it's, it's really cool of you to think that I'm that all-powerful or all-knowing, um, but dial it back a little bit, you know? And all of those assumptions, I think, take on a different form when it's about something esoteric because spirituality is a part of identity. Um, and that's, that's different. That's a different beast than... I assume that you don't like spinach because you talk this way. I don't know. I can't even think of a good comparison, but that's what came to my came to mind. I think assumptions are one of the biggest things that maybe maybe doesn't hold me back specifically. I mean, it definitely has in the past, but holds back people from approaching tarot in the first place or from wanting to try it themselves. And The first disclaimer that I have to say is that I cannot possibly speak for every tarot reader. Um, It's a very personal, private thing, and everybody does it incredibly differently. Some people believe that the cards can do way more things than I do. Uh, I approach them, like I said, pretty skeptically. I don't think that cards can tell the future. I don't use them for that purpose. I think that if I were to pull a card and say, your future, this is going to happen right away, like that takes all power out of your hands. And what good is that? The way that I like to use tarot readings is to empower whoever is getting the reading with information that they have access to. But if you're able to see a reflection of your life in a tiny illustration that's the size of a postcard or smaller, (laughs) um, you kind of trick your brain into taking that thought seriously. 
and you give yourself permission to consider an option that maybe you haven't considered before. I see a lot of readings that are able that help people to kind of open up the realm of possibilities that they present themselves with in order to make informed decisions or in order to kind of develop an opinion on something or to get to know themselves better. Honestly, I think most of us want to know ourselves better and have a hard time figuring out where to start. And using a visual language like tarot really can can turn that around. And I think a lot of the assumptions that come with it are that I'm going to be using this to communicate with a with a dead grandmother or that I can um, <laughs> predict whether or not my ex-boyfriend will get back with me. Um, and none of those are situations that empower the person getting a reading. And I guess in a nutshell, that's uh, that's my practice. I, if it doesn't empower whoever's getting a reading, I will probably suggest a different way to go about that question. I I don't like to shut down questions, but I will I will work over them with somebody. Um, kind of like I don't know I I, I hate equating um, therapist also because that's the field that I'm I'm studying and trying to become a part of, and I like to take it very seriously. Um, but a, a big part of why therapy is so effective is that you have an outside neutral party that helps you to work through ideas that you already have in order to make them more productive for yourself. And tarot is kind of like a, a self-therapy tool or like a self-help guide that you can use for that. And I think it's very effective because it, it's kind of outside of language. They're pictures, you know? <laughs> I mean, there I, there's some language on some of the cards, but for those of you, for listeners who don't know, it's a, it's a card deck. It looks very similar to a deck of playing cards. There are typically around 78 cards or so. Some have extra, some have a little less, depending on the artist's choice. And it's split up into two major parts. So there's four suits, uh, just like a playing card deck, honestly. They're very similar in history. And a major suit. So if there is, if I was to make like a casino equivalent, think of like a, uh, a deck of playing cards with maybe an extra court card for every suit. And then like 22 jokers that could mean any wild number of thing. And that's kind of how tarot decks are set up. And they all have different pictures on them. They all depict a very unique scenario. And so if I pull a card and you identify with that and holy crap, that's so random. It's just one out of 78. You know, it, it holds a lot more meaning there and you're able to to use that to kind of push the conversation further. And I was talking about uh, questions that I'll rework. Um, so yeah, and I was going really... like guide that if you're like, Totally. So say like I like the example you gave. So if I came to you and I was like, "Oh, is my ex boyfriend gonna get back together to me with me?" Like, how would you rephrase that question? Uh, classic, very common question. Oh God, I can't even tell you how common this is. Because uh, and it's it's valid. It's because it's a really it's something that weighs on a lot of people people's lives and and their minds and and it if feels you think like about the basis of the question is like I'm heartbroken and I want it to stop. It, Exactly. Yeah, it's it's usually coming from a place of powerlessness. And tarot can be used to uh, capitalize on that if we're going back to, to the scams that we were talking about earlier. And I think that's why um, it's so it's so con like that rhetoric around like, oh, tarot readers or poll readers are, are scammers is because mm -hmm. it's really easy to capitalize on because yes. that heartbreak is so common. I think that's like where that comes from. But those questions are really common. And I think that a way to work that question that empowers the person who's asking is something like, do I want to get back together with my ex? Um, or what, like, how will I feel if I get back together with my ex? Or like, what's a pro and a con 
Um, and to make it a, to make it personal, to make it about the self rather than like it, me telling you what somebody else's actions going to be doesn't really give you the power to do anything. It doesn't really give you anything to think about. It, you're just going to be thinking about the like many possibilities you've already been thinking about. You're already making yourself crazy going over all these things that you think could happen. Um, so rather than add to the ruminations, um, I think it's it's a really valuable opportunity to reflect on what does it mean to you? What does this person mean to you? If this person leave your life, what will that look like for you? And I think um, like giving somebody the opportunity to one, just like, oh my God, there's a different question I can be asking. That's a huge deal. But then to go a step further and to validate with like, like, what does this picture make you think of? Or like, what does the meaning of this card make you think of? Or, hey, like you got this card. Does this mean anything to you? Um, and that is another conversation. That's another way to get the ball rolling. I think in a much more positive direction. Because if I pull a card and it's like, nope, not going to get back together. <laughs> what do I do after that? You know, what did they do after that? Yeah. That, there's nowhere to go after that. There's no, there's no seed to grow at that point. That's just a dead end. And who wants that? Yeah. I also feel like in a lot of way, tarot acts almost like a divining rod, where, which is another like kind of esoteric science. <laughs> but um, it feels like, you know, it's kind of like having something outside of yourself that helps you find something within yourself. It's like mm. having something physical in your hands can help, at least for me, like when I, because my tarot deck is a little different. It is not like a traditional tarot deck. And so it's called Darshana. And then it has um, each card corresponds with a Zen story. Mm. So you can do like a traditional throw, but then instead of having like the suits or like, you know, the Ten of Swords, you would have a Zen story. So okay. you do like past, present, future in Zen stories for like simplest throw. And so weekly I'll pull just one card for myself and then I'll read the Zen story to like reconnect to like my authentic because to read and understand a Zen story, which is like the basis of my meditation practice is Zen. Um, you have to like, it's like a very physical thing. You have to like take a big deep breath and you have to let it out and you have to let the story like fall into you. You can't try to think through it. You can't logic out a Zen story. You will drive yourself insane. Um, and I feel like that's how tarot has always been. Like even when I used to a traditional deck, um, it kind of like helped to reconnect to like my unconscious mind in a way, like the things that I was thinking, but that I wasn't able to say to myself. But if I pulled a card and I was like able to say, oh, the tarot deck says this, it's easier to kind of like accept it when it's something outside of yourself almost. Does that make sense? Am I making mm, Yeah. I think okay. you made a couple I think you made a couple different points in there that are that are really valuable. Totally. Um, Let's go. <laughs> that that deck for you sounds like like very meaningful for you and that's it's beautiful to find something that you can connect with like that. Some people don't have anything like that to connect. I mean, I have like a collection of tarot decks that I will cycle through because I'm feeling one one day and feeling one the other day or or I will like back a new an artist deck on Kickstarter thinking like oh maybe this will finally be the one that I really connect with um and the truth is like I connect with all of them in different ways and they they all represent different things and there are a huge variety of different um card decks that are used for I guess divination purposes or for these these re the reasons that we do tarot readings um and the deck you're describing sounds kind of more oracle in nature rather than like the traditional um like four suits and all that setup. Mm -hmm. And there are 
a huge variety of tarot and oracle decks out there. And some of them just have like messages of encouragement on them. Some of them are like messages from angels or some of them are like spirit guide animals, which is language that I refrain from using because it's it, it, like, it's just appropriation of indigenous cultures. And I am yeah. white as heck. Uh, so I don't use those personally, but some people find a lot of value in them. And then there's like the, like Lenormand deck that is based on a, on a different kind of playing card game from Europe. Um, and there's just, there are so many. So if you find one and you're like, this doesn't make any sense to me, uh, try a different one. There are so many out there. And I think that is um, kind of the, the beauty of living in the time that we live in. Because, I mean, 100 years ago, finding a tarot deck, skinny white people. <laughs> um, yeah. That is the only representation you're going to find on those decks. And now you can get a deck that like has no people in it at all. It's all animals. Or you can get one that represents like, all black and brown people, or you can get one that is just a ton of like gender fluid, um, like super body positive cards. Like I have, a, I have a deck that fits that description perfectly, and I love it. It's always surprises me that it's one of the most popular ones whenever I bring it in public to read at like the bar that area because it's sometimes sometimes it's much like older clientele, and I'm like, oh man, I hope that they don't like walk away and disgust that I have this deck on here, and I'm not going to hide it because I love it. And they're like, oh, I want this deck, and I'm like, yes. <laughs> Um, <laughs> it's always so we have so many, like right? There's so Resonate. many options, and I think that that is um, it's a really beautiful time to be connecting with tarot, having as many options as we do. I know I've been having my eye on that like sleepy cat deck for forever. Oh, the the is. animal decks are sometimes just the, the most cutest, wholesome Seriously. material ever, and it's also cool because buying, especially buying indie independent independently printed tarot decks um they are you're buying 78 pieces of tiny art from a person that mm-hmm. could take years to produce yeah totally and the deck i have was made by a woman in my meditation group and she made it specifically for the people of our meditation group and it took her two years to make this deck Dude. and so that adds like an extra special piece because like for me it's like it's a way to connect to her and my meditation group when i'm like home alone and just That's like awesome. the time and love and care that she spent into this is like incredible. And you can see it in the cards. Yeah, that's a lot of work. I uh, I have a little like pet project of mine and I've, I've drawn most of the major, major Arcana cards. Um, and it's it's kind of just like an inner child art project for me. And it connects me to um, my late grandmother who had a, a pretty intense teacup collection and it's called the tea time tarot and it's like I don't know if it's ever going to actually go anywhere but it it's very um gratifying for me to draw them out and share them on my page and some people are like wow this is amazing like I also collect teacups or or like other people can connect it to, to it in a way and it's funny because within the tarot community certain cards become kind of like a universal language of sorts um, if I pull like the three of swords and it's, uh, for those of you who don't know, it's a, it's a picture is like a heart with three swords stabbed through it. It's a pretty quintessential heartbreak looking, looking picture. I can, I can share that with anybody. And I have like a, a tarot reader friend in France and my French is terrible, but like we both understand exactly what it means when it comes up. And, and it's just, uh, it's a really fun almost universal and yet so nuanced way to connect with people because there are there are somewhat set meanings um mm-hmm. within like a traditional tarot deck with this 
the eight cards. And yet there are so many ways that the cards will interact with each other that allows for some kind of um, plasticity within meanings. Totally. Yeah, I completely. I love that. I love the universalness of it, but how it also has like endless possibilities. Yeah, especially with different um, different artist representations of decks. Like I have certain certain cards within decks that I'm I that have a different mood to them um, mm-hmm. than other than other cards. And I wish podcast had some kind of visual component so I could I could show you. I love the um, portability of podcasts that you can like put it on and then like go do other activities and oh, totally. you know visuals kind of disrupt that. So it makes it makes perfect sense. Like mm-hmm. that's what Instagram's for and that's what Facebook and whatever other platforms are for. Yeah, um, I do. I do deck walkthroughs on my page sometimes just to to show people what certain cards look like. Um, sometimes if you're shopping, especially now, a lot of us are shopping online, we can't necessarily go to places and look at things. And some stores, um, because of people's beliefs around like, whether or not you should let other people touch your territory, they're like, everybody has their own metaphysical beliefs. But some people like some stores that you can't open them up and look at them. So how are you supposed to know that you would connect with a card deck without looking at all and kind of going in blind, you know, which is nice if you just have an extra $50 to throw. Yeah. Uh, but, if, <laughs> but if you don't, um, it's nice to it's nice to have walkthroughs of certain decks. sometimes. So I like to okay. do those with some of my weirder decks, uh, some of my cooler, more out there decks, just because, you know, it's kind of hard to get access to what every single card looks like. Um, Where would you recommend that somebody starts if they want to buy their own deck? Is there like a good starter deck or do you just Google? Like, what do you recommend? Well, right now it's really hard to shop in person. So let's <laughs> yes. go with the internet. Um, there are a couple of really cool um, shops on on the interwebs that stock indie tarot decks. And if you want to spend your money small, uh, those are what I recommend for sure. Uh, look for like independent tarot retailers. If you Google them, you'll get a couple of them that pop up. Um, there's a couple in the U.S., uh, usually closer to Salem for obvious reasons. There's one in the U.K. that's really popular. Uh, there's one in the in Australia that's really popular, and, and you'll see them when you search for them. And I can't think of any other names right now. Which we can also all throw sense. them in the show notes too for that. Totally. Um, and that's that's mostly just for for you know the, a lot of people are looking at ways to shop small right now. And tarot decks are nice small things to buy when you're shopping small. If you are, if you've never bought a tarot deck and you kind of want to jump in somewhere that's going to give you a wide, like breadth and a lot of understanding on where artists get their ideas from when they draw their own decks, I always think that uh, it is good to know what a classic Rider Waite deck looks like, even if you you end up like using it to study and then you move on to one that you like a lot more. Um, because a lot of artists base their art on the Rider Waite. And so what the Rider Waite is, is um, before this happened, um, in the before times, tarot cards didn't have illustrations on every single card. You kind of just had to know what Seven of Cups meant just by the number. And a lot of us don't have those kind of memorization skills, especially right now. Like our attention spans are all over the place. And so this artist uh, named Pamela Coleman-Smith, uh, who, whose name was taken off the deck for about a century until 2011, 2000, somewhere around there, um, pretty recently, uh, like within our lifetime, she got her like a centennial edition of this deck made up. So her name's put back on all the artwork and it's pretty cool. But she was commissioned by a writer in England to basically draw out every single card 
and it totally changed the tarot game because every picture has a every card has a picture now and meanings were much became much more universal after and that deck is still i think the most quintessential and popular to this day and a lot of tarot art now is still based off of those pictures so if you get to know a rider weight deck it will be drastically easier to jump with those meanings to any other deck that's cool yeah that's a good place to start for sure I just looked it up and it reminds me very much of like (laughs) Loteria cards. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I'm sure that they, uh, I haven't looked, I've looked at the history of uh, tarot and like its counterparts, um, like in Europe, haven't looked at the history of Loteria cards. Uh, It's just, Loteria is just like the game, but I, and I have no idea where they originated, but yeah, the colorings are very similar. Yeah. I mean, tarot used to be a game as well. Yeah. Tarochi in Italy. And um, Tarot de Marseille also originated out of France, and they they basically shared a very similar vein. But it definitely started out as just a card game. That, I didn't cool. know that. Just like People a regular just got bored card enough. Game. Yeah. <laughs> Did it yeah. have any sort of like spiritual aspect to it, or was it just like sitting down to play poker? It was just like sitting down to play poker. It was oh uh, it was largely a women's game, um, kind of like bridge. And, uh, you know, those crazy women just running around with their ideas all over the place. Uh, <laughs> Gotta get them Bada hand. bing, bada boom, magic. <laughs> I love it. I that's love that my, so that's my drunk history version. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not drunk yet. It's only, uh, it's happy hour. I could it, be. I might be. Hey girl. Use your imagination. It's like 7.30 in the morning, so. <laughs> not tomorrow. <laughs> Quarantine yeah. is like, yeah, I don't think there are any rules on when you can drink during quarantine. No, Every there's not. I start, <laughs> I start my breakfast with a Kahlua iced coffee. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Maybe I'll set up a bar and pretend that I still have my gigs going on. You should. Um, <laughs> Do it that way. Trying to think if there's anything else I wanted to touch on. Representation was important. Uh, accessibility is important. There is, um, oh, as far as first tarot decks go, um, the Rider Waite is obviously very homogenous. It's uh, incredibly white, incredibly able-bodied, everything. It's all, it's all the things that you think it would be from 100 years ago. Uh, there is a melanated version, um, and it is all of the exact same like positions of the cards and everything, uh, but every single character in all of the cards has been replaced with a black person and it's beautiful and definitely deserves financial support so Hello, inclusivity right so if y'all don't want an all-white deck go for that one it's it's great i'm glad that um, there are options that are representative yeah they're getting there you know it's a <laughs> starting certain, anyway. certain artists do a better job than others oh another thing with tarot i think that can be really frustrating is um it can feel highly gendered, especially because the the court cards, like it, they are split up very strongly into king, queen, <laughs> just like playing cards, uh, I guess. Um, and then a knight and a page or like a jester. And first of all, there's only one female character. The page is usually depicted as a male guy too, but some artists will take liberties to make it like prince and princess, king and queen. And it, it's it's set up into a dichotomy. And then the the card meanings often fall into these categories of like active and passive and uh, knowledgeable and naive. And 
And that's so just some, obviously like, yeah, traditional, inherently yeah. problematic. Yeah. <laughs> and so that can be a big turnoff for a lot of people. Um, some people find it really comforting because they're used to gender norms and, you know, whatever, like you, whatever works for you works for you. Um, but it can also be really discouraging for some people to be like, man, I like to use this thing as a thing to connect to myself and like my own, like sometimes it's a spiritual practice. Sometimes it's just a personal growth practice. And yet I can't see myself in a lot of these cards. And that can be really frustrating um, and I think is incredibly valid. And the way that I have come to personally use cards to kind of work around that um, that frustration and that stretch that I feel of wanting it to be more gender neutral, just like taking the name Vic for, for this business, like on paper, it's, you know, it, it keeps me more like outside of this, this dichotomy that I'm, I'm forced to, to check a box for. And what I like to do instead is... Um, the court cards represent aspects of personality, and I think that those can be universal. So instead of labeling the queen as like the passive mastery of blah, 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 um, I, I call her practical and the application of like the mastery of emotion. Like this person can actually like put her emotions to good use in, in doing these things, whereas like maybe the king is more of a public sphere influence, whatever. Um, just examples of interpretation. But Cards don't know or give a crap who is polling them. Like, I'm not going to sit down with a male client for a reading and take out all of the queen cards. You know, it doesn't work like that. And so I think that um, the redeeming quality of the dichotomy presented in tarot cards is that the cards will fall for whoever they want to in whatever way they choose. And if a guy gets all queen card readings and he's incredibly broy about it um he got those queen cards for a reason and they they represent an aspect of his personality that maybe he's honing in on more or something that um that he should be proud of and i think that that is a very important redeeming quality of tarot yeah totally i also feel like uh, how you respond to the cards says a lot about you because the cards are objects like yeah it's just like how you respond to people says a lot about you you know our responses are entirely a choice exactly tarot just kind of puts puts fuel to the fire sometimes Mm -hmm. totally well is there anything else that you for sure want to cover did you hit your points you know i should have written it all out but i didn't so i did say i think so (laughs) are we down for doing a poll for each other I would love to pull a card for you. I, I was waiting like... for this. <laughs> Klaus, would you like a card as well? Um, yes, please. Okay. I'm going to turn my camera yeah, back let's on. let's turn our cameras on for that. Camera! Can you, like, shuffle next to your mic? Oh, heck yeah, I can. <laughs> hey, ASMR. My cards are, like, impossible to shuffle. They're, like, too I big. figure out how to. How to do. Ooh, shuffling. Shuffleability is the most important thing for me in getting a new tarot deck. They can have gorgeous art, but if the cards don't bend at all, or if they don't yeah. fit in my hands, I'm never going to touch my them. My deck is, like, too big. It is, like, as you can tell, it is, like, at the reach. Yes! <laughs> there you go. Oh, my. Is it working? Is it good? <laughs> that was great. That was quality. It's everything I needed. All right, all right. Here's a little shuffle. Popcorn straight to my soul. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> absolutely beautiful. Yeah, shuffling is the most important thing to me in a tarot deck for sure. Star works really important. Uh, the meaning is really important. I don't super care about guidebooks because at this point, like I, 
I read the cards how I read the cards and mm-hmm. like I appreciate how the artist wants me to read them and I will take it into consideration, but I'm not gonna flip through the book for every card at this point. And if you do, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do not have enough knowledge to be able to not use a guidebook. I would have to look up my cards. Honestly, after reading for strangers uh, and getting put on the spot, yeah, and that, that pressure, it's like, yep, I know them all now. You're I can like, think of them in my sleep. <laughs> yeah, to the point where sometimes when I'm walking around um, and I see a thing happen, I'll be like, hmm, this is a very five of cups moment. You know, it's just it's a <laughs> very casual part of my mental rhetoric at this point, and I love that. It gives me like learning a different language, like you were saying. Almost, yeah. It really can be sometimes, and it, it gives me a nice, uh, a nice point of navigation, which mm-hmm. is kind of what it's supposed to be used for the compass. sorry my dog was barking oh rude i'm gonna get it together doesn't he know we're recording a podcast i know <laughs> yeah for real my cats are all napping they got they got the message all my all right, animals so are napping my cat and my dogs virtual readings are a little whack because usually i would have the other person cut the cards and yeah. We don't get to do that. So my workaround has been, I'm going to make five random piles, however the cards want to separate themselves, and you can pick a number, one through five, and that card will go on top, and I will go through and restack them. All right. Three. Three it is. All right. And the reason why like cutting cards is so important to me for my personal practice is after every reading, I also read the bottom card on the deck because when you cut the cards, you pick the top and the bottom card. Mm-hmm. And I think they're both significant. Oh, cool. So your top card, your message for today is this guy. Oh. Nine of wands. Okay. Wands, as far as elements are concerned, are supposed to make us think of fire. Fire is supposed to be actions and mm-hmm. desires Think of it as like fuel, like that pushes you forward, you know, that mm-hmm. fire in your belly or fire as fuel, literally. It's like the catalyst for production and for creating things and doing things and motivating things. So with that in mind, nine, as part of the story of one through 10, is supposed to be about having gotten through a lot, having built up a really solid track record, but maybe missing one piece before you get to the end about being not quite done yet about having to do one final push, about looking Mm -hmm. forward to like, I'm almost there, but there's still something missing, or like I have to conserve energy for this one last thing. And that can result in what this picture kind of looks like is a sense of defensiveness or preparedness. Mm -hmm. So it's about kind of being on your guard and of guarding that energy and of guarding all of that productivity and motivation, knowing that there is still one more step to go. and then. The bottom card, so the way that I always like to read the bottom card is like the the shadow card, the shadow of the reading, the the why. <laughs> why okay. am I asking this question in the first place? Why am I getting these answers? Where mm-hmm. is this coming from? And you got the sun. Ooh, beautiful. I love the sun card. I love the sun. Right? I can, we could all use a lot more of that right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the sun is about illumination, quite frankly. Like, it's really, it's a very clear meaning there which is nice um especially for people who've never read tarot before they get the sun they're like oh i recognize that as a thing in my life yeah um the sun is about illumination so illumination of secrets it means that like you can see what's in front of you you can trust your perceptions unlike the moon card which is kind of the opposite and it's also a card for growth and warmth so those are just you know pretty not esoteric meanings of the sun which is Mm -hmm. nice (laughs) 
but that is what's underlying this this not quite done need to conserve energy kind of card that you got yeah i feel like they definitely tie together it makes sense to me coolsies yeah especially in my yeah my meditation practice like my meditation teacher has been pushing me a lot lately to like really like take those next important steps Mm -hmm. and towards what we literally call enlightenment Um, Mm -hmm. and so there's that like a little on the nose there (laughs) yeah a little bit yeah that's why I was like when you pulled both of those I was like this feels very like are you sure yeah (laughs) Yeah, I was like like, okay I get it (laughs) all right do you want to have one then are you ready I'm ready. (laughs) All right, let's do it. So this is a little different because usually um, I very rarely pull cards without questions attached to them. But whenever I do want to just pull a card just for the heck of it, it's usually the question is like, what do I need right now? You know, like that's kind of the basic underlying question. I think that we have all of the time. Um, And so that's kind of how I approach one card readings. Other people will do them differently, obviously. I'm just one person. But yeah. Go and pick a number to cut the dick. Four. All right. For a card, you have seven of swords. Seven of swords. Yeah. Looks it's kind of a shysty-looking character. He's, like, sneaking away from camp with five swords in his arms. Looks like he's stealing everybody's weapons. Yeah, yeah, kind of as, as many as he can and tiptoeing. It's like a yeah. walking on eggshells kind of feel to it. So swords are supposed to represent the element of air, and you know, like slicing through things. And what I connect swords to is um, like the mental realm. So ideas, communication, language, and uh, processing. And not just like the language and communication we do for other people, but also how we talk to ourselves. That's kind of what thoughts and ideas are anyway. And seven is supposed to be, let me set this up like as a storyline. So one through 10 is the numbers, are the numbers that we have. Five in the middle would be like the peak of the conflict, you know, like like the middle of the movie where the big climax happens. And then six is the resolution. Seven is what you got. So we're after after this big battle, after this lesson has been learned, after the success or defeat. And seven is supposed to be um, a card in all of the suits of like philosophy, of reflection and of like pausing and looking at what you have and taking stock now that the cards have fallen where they have no pun intended pun pun intended i'm going to claim that um so with that in mind and putting those two elements together this is about kind of taking stock of the ideas and the communication the language that you possess around a topic and kind of running with it in a way that will cover your ass (laughs) think of it as like self-preservation and about kind of taking what you can and moving forward with that and leaving what doesn't work behind. You can see he hasn't taken all of the swords in this picture, just the ones that he can carry. So this is about having to really reflect and value and place a value on what is worth communicating, what is not worth communicating, what is worth holding as an opinion and as an idea, and what is not. A lot of words for one card, my bad. It's okay, I liked it. I can't I'm just card. in my head thinking, though, that's all. Don't mind me. Now, your shadow card, your reason why, is Page of Wands. So the page is one of those court cards. 
kind of like the the knight, the queen, and queen and the king, and like playing cards. But the page is like an additional one, or I guess the jack. It's a jack and playing cards. I I don't play cards. Um, maybe I should. You play with so, different cards, honey. I do. I really do. Um, so the page of wands, he, the page is the first guy in the realm of the court. It's kind of like the newbie on the scene or someone who's just getting started in something. So it has that energy of like being enthusiastic and optimistic. You know, like when you start a new job and you're like, oh, it's going to be great. Uh, and you have no idea about all the bad things that there might be uh, in any given thing. So this is about that like really positive, happy, naive optimism and wanting to accomplish a lot of things, but maybe lacking the track record to do so. And the experience and the know-how <laughs> of how to proceed. But that optimism is still there. And wands in particular, just like in Izzy's reading, is, is a suit of fire and motivation and creativity and desires. The stuff that will actually like get the ball rolling. So that's pretty, those two ideas marry together very, very well as far as I have a lot of things I want to do. I have a lot of um, a lot of motivations and a lot of desires. And I have this huge capacity to create and to produce and to do and to, to execute whatever I want. But I don't really quite have a footing yet. I don't really know where to get started. That's exactly my life of quarantine. <laughs> I was about to say that sounds exactly yeah. like class. That is, I <laughs> I picked up so many hobbies that I was gonna get into. I got into some of them, but like not the other half of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. This is the this is the pick and choose card, you know. Yeah. So you pick the cards, not me. I just read them. That's my disclaimer for every reading. But, you know. <laughs> You don't like you picked them. I'm sorry. You got the death card. Ah, my friend's mom always gets like the devil card as the one to represent herself. That's like no matter powerful. what. It's so weird. It's uncanny. Uh, devil card. That's like the biggest disclaimer I have to do with um people who are coming from a religious background. It's like oh, like this tarot is a thing that equals devil worship um my own family <laughs> kind of believes that to a certain point it can be it can be kind of painful sometimes like they yeah they accept me and they understand it and like i have a great relationship with my family but they're like don't bring those home and i'm like mm -hmm. okay i just want to pull them out got it yeah um, they're not gonna listen to this i hope so it's fine um <laughs> but you know like you'll sit down and you'll you'll do all these disclaimers about how like oh tarot is just a tool tarot isn't attached to any spirituality tarot has nothing to do with any given religion, like people mm -hmm. who are Christian read tarot cards, people who are atheists read tarot cards, people who are Wiccan read tarot cards, people who yeah. are Buddhist. You know, I can I can list every religion, mm -hmm. and people probably use them. Yes, um, they're not connected to any one culture, to any one religion. Like, but you know, the whole spiel. And mm -hmm. then they'll get the devil card, and they're like, "What's that?" You're um, like, "You just said." <laughs> happens every time. But honestly, a lot of the tarot cards have very Judeo-Christian imagery on them. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite cards is um, the Hierophant. And that is literally the Pope. Like the Pope <laughs> is a card. Another one is another one of my favorites. Uh, that's incredibly underrated is the Judgment card. It's not a card about judging other people. That would be justice and like weighing scales. Mm -hmm. But it's a card that shows literally the rapture happening. Like there is an arch, an archangel, like with a trumpet from the clouds, and dead bodies are rising out of coffins. That's a picture on a tarot card. Like that is yeah. part of the book of revelations yeah. <laughs> that is a very christian portrayal of something and mm -hmm. it's part of the tarot and i think that that's really cool yeah it does encompass a lot of different aspects of different religions it really does i think there's something in it for everybody and that's why i choose to approach it um like even though this podcast um episode kind of 
was like I, like it was, I was approached with like the idea of combining tarot and spirituality. I don't think they're the same at all. I think mm-hmm. that tarot is a tool that independent that exists independently of spirituality, and I think that that distinction is what makes tarot so beautiful. It makes it accessible to everyone. That is so cool, and that's something I've never thought of because. For my personal use, tarot is a tool of my spirituality. Yeah, yeah, like, same here. But I bet our spiritual practices are entirely different. Yes, completely. Yeah, yeah, which is like, I love. I love when things can be, and that's something that we keep like discovering in the process of this podcast that I just adore, is that things can be so different and yet very much the same. And yeah. I adore that. I love that. I don't know what the word would be for that, but I love it. <laughs> Maybe like universality or accessibility. Something kind something of about falls like into that category. humanity that we all have. Absolutely, I think um, that's my favorite thing about tarot is that it, in not existing within the rubric of any one like religious dogma, it it is a it's a, it's a tool for anyone. Mm-hmm. It can be offered to anybody, and just like how like no but no one religion has like a, has been able to stake a claim on like journaling you know yeah. like you can't do that with tarot either and mm-hmm. I think that is what makes it so special I think that's also why I get so heated and offended when I see um gatekeepers around yeah no don't of, don't gatekeep <laughs> of like oh like if you're not doing this properly like oh if you didn't steal a tarot deck then it has bad karma or whatever it's like first of all don't steal shit yeah um, second of all like, like there's like whatever karma, let's talk about stealing <laughs> right let's not um it's just there's a lot of um there are a lot of assumptions around tarot where where it's like one kind of universal rule and there's no universal rule about journaling and there's no universal rule about deep breathing yeah and so I think meditation is too is like pretty much every religion uses meditation in one way or another they don't necessarily call it meditation but Mm -hmm. like focusing on your breathing and sitting in silence is important in pretty much every like religion nobody owns that exactly nobody owns that. nobody owns that and it's like how you utilize it and like yeah yeah, so I totally get where you're coming from. That totally makes sense. That's I would love to pull like a card the most for important you. thing for me. Yes, do it. I'm ready. I want right. to see these cards so, so badly. Again, this is going to be a little different than like traditional tarot because they're not a tarot deck in that sense. Yeah. It means I have um, to come to this with card no reservation. Yeah, like each card is going to have a picture and a like name on it, oh, so pretty. and that name is going to come like is going to directly go with a story I will read. And like There's some a of whole ass book, stories. people. A whole yeah. ass book. Whole ass that. book. Um, and some of those stories are going to be Zen stories. Some of them are going to be like biblical scriptures. Some of them are Sufi. Some of them are like different. Some are Buddhist. Some are Hindu. Like she picked a variety. Um, the only thing that she like did with that was very like intentional is that they're all stories that my meditation teacher has used for the meditation mm-hmm. group. So, like, it's something that my meditation group called Aspire will, like, have a distinct connection to. So, usually, I have the person shuffle their own deck because mm. I, I like physical contact on cards. I'm not one of the people that thinks only I should touch them. I think touching Coronavirus. A deck, I know. <laughs> I think touching a deck, like, helps, like, connect you to it. Like, that's my view on physical contact with decks. I know some people yeah. are like, don't touch my cards. And I respect that. Yeah. But Again, it's incredibly personal. <laughs> yes. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to just spread them out. And I'll just, if I can do this, just tell me when. And I will, like, 
grab a card out of there. We're just going to make it messy. That one. This one? Yeah. Ha ha. Love it. All right. Technology. You got empty your mind. Fine. (laughs) (laughs) Which is, I've actually never pulled this one before. So this will be a new story for me as well. But what I know about the God card cactus, I have an idea. I'm excited. Well, I guess I can. It's probably going to be something I super need. That's usually how these cards are. It's like the things that you super need, but you don't want to hear is my experience. Klaus is pulled with me with these cards. Um, One thing I will say really fast because I forgot is like she has a little description of what Darshana is at the beginning. Mm. So I can like, so Darshana does not mean philosophy, but. Sovia, which is the love of seeing, not a love of thinking, a love of realizing, an effort to attain a vision of the ultimate reality as it is. So it's not about thinking, it's about realizing. If the- I've already needed to hear this, I'm not even there yet. <laughs> I'm glad, look at that. All right. And luckily, this is a relatively slow story or short story because some of these could be very long and convoluted. Oh. All right, empty your mind. A Zen master was approached by a professor of philosophy. The professor said, I have come to understand what truth is. What do you say? The professor who had come uphill was looking tired and perspiring. The Zen master said, you sit, you rest a little, and I will prepare tea for you. First things first, then we can talk later on. And that is not so important. Tea is more important than truth. The professor could not believe this. Is this man mad? Tea is more important than truth? But the Zen master is right. What he means is, you are too tired and too full of thoughts. Let me help you to relax a little bit. Cool down, please. That's what he is saying. He is saying, don't be too much concerned about truth. Otherwise, you will miss it. The master prepared the tea, then he brought it and poured the tea and went on pouring. The professor was holding his cup and saucer. The cup was full and the tea started overflowing onto the saucer, but he kept silent. And then he felt that now the tea was going to overflow onto the floor. So he said, stop, what are you doing? Why do you go on pouring? My cup is full and it cannot hold any more tea. The master said, you are so careful about your cup, but you are not careful about your mind. Your mind is so full. I see only junk and furniture in your mind, rotten furniture, and you want to invite truth. You will have to create a little space for truth to come in. You got a lot of furniture. I was not expecting. Right? That's that's honestly, that's how Zen stories are. You never expect them. But yeah, so I just encourage people to like take a moment and think about it, I guess. And then, yeah. But not too hard. Not too hard, yeah. It's, you <laughs> want to take that deep breath, and you kind of want to let it just, like, fall in. And, like, trust your intuition of it. I said I'm going to be sitting with that one for a little I while. I can also send you the story if you want to reread yes, it. Yes, please. Yeah, yes. T- uh, text me pictures. I will, so that way you can reread it. Um, this story does remind me a lot about what you were saying with stargazing. Hmm, mm-hmm. I think that there's a definite connection there. All right, Klaus, do you want a card? Yeah. Sorry, I'm, I'm over here, read. like, 
Every time we interview, I pick at my bonsai. <laughs> it's like the nervous tick. All right, yeah. we're just gonna like messy them up, and then I'm gonna everyone has something. Just grab one. I want that one closest to your titty. That's like, one in the middle. In the middle. This one. There we go. You just want the boob card? Yeah. Ooh, you got a really pretty card. Well, let me see it. What does it say? Rebirth. Rebirth. Like a, it looks like a phoenix. Yeah. Yeah. Epic. All right. This is where I'm curious. I want to see how this reading and if it'll tie in with Vic's tarot reading at all. I wonder oh, if you'll have happens. similarities. And the rebirth card looks like a lot of fire, and he has this. And it flies, so it has fire. air. Yes. Already. Full circle. All right. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> that is my life. This is another relatively short story. All right. The phoenix is the wonderful bird. It has no mate and dwells in solitude. Its beak is long and hard like a flute. It contains nearly 100 holes. Each hole sounds a different tone, and each tone reveals a mystery. A mystic friend of the bird taught it the art of music. When the phoenix utters these sounds, all the birds of the sky and the fish of the sea are affected. All the wild beasts are made silent by the entrancing music and experience of ecstasy. The phoenix lives about a thousand years. It knows the time of its death, and when the knowledge is tearing at its heart, it gathers a hundred trees, heats them in one spot, and begins a fire. It then places itself in the middle of the fire. Through each of the holes in its beak, it sounds a plaintive cry. Out of the depth of its soul, it utters its dying lament, and then begins to tremble. At the sound of the music, all the birds gather. The wild beasts assemble to be present at the death of the phoenix. At this time, they all become aware of their own death. When the moment arrives for it to draw its last breath, the phoenix spreads its tail and feathers, and with these, it kindles a fire which spreads swiftly through the woodpile and begins to blaze. Soon the fire and bird become one red-hot mass. When the glowing charcoal is reduced to ashes and only one spark remains, a new phoenix arises into life. I like that one. <laughs> the idea of knowing one's own death uh, is terrifying. I always yeah, told David I'm gonna die when I'm like young, and he's like, "No, you're not." And I always tell him, "I know I'm gonna die when I'm young." <laughs> Why are you manifesting this shit, class? Yeah, no, I'm not manifesting. It. <laughs> Great point. You are by saying it. I am. <laughs> I'm not saying that I want to go, but I'll be ready when I when it's my time. <laughs> Be more ready than a lot of us, that's for sure. Yeah, I can't imagine knowing the time of my death. That sounds yeah. horrific, like, actually. Like that phoenix is bearing a really big burden for a thousand years. Did we ask the question? We did no. not. It's the question. Are you ready for it? The Am question, Vic. I'm going to ask it. I'll give you some time to think, and oh, then God. you can answer, okay? Okay. Bring so, it it's just like the be my beard question. Um that we love asking everybody that we have on here. So who or what helped you become comfortable with the best version of you? Who was your beard? Oh man, I'm going to start crying. Probably my partner right now. I'm not ready for this emotion. 
definitely sprung this on me and I should have seen it coming because this is this podcast. Um, we can turn off the cameras too if that helps. Yeah. I don't know, help audio, but it's, it's fine. <laughs> That's what it is. I like having you guys here in my in my teal painted bedroom. I don't even remember how to do this. I, I quit. <laughs> <laughs> I was saying oh, for your emotions <laughs> <in my> <laughs> Man, it's really hard to think of um, life before all of this, uh, before Corona, before the Rona. Um, it's hard to think about what was a big deal at another time in my life right now. But the last couple of years, I have really, I guess, kind of come into my own in a way that I didn't expect. I thought that I, <laughs> stupid, I was done uh, becoming me, you know, <laughs> in a certain way. I had already gone through a really huge transformative moment, um, kind of like the phoenix that Klaus just got in his reading. And I had let go of something that was massive. I had been building up my entire life, uh, a marriage um, in particular. and that was huge and defining. And I thought that after I had gotten through that, cool, like that's, that's a big defining moment for me. Uh, check that box off, time to move on. And it was after meeting Evan, my partner now, and being in the security of a healthy and comforting relationship where I've never been pressured. I've never been questioned on, um, and like my reality's never been questioned. I've been nothing but validated and and loved that um, I was able to kind of admit to myself a lot of my life experiences and questions of sexuality, even while in a straight presenting relationship in a very like heteronormal relationship, um, realizing like, wow, the the girls that I wanted to have friendships with uh, in like high school or in, you know, really big years of my, of my life, like it hurt more because I was attracted to them. Questions like that, that I was able to, to kind of grapple with while in the safety of a really loving relationship. I, I never thought I would have an experience or an opportunity like that. And <laughs> a good friend of mine, Damien also, um, it's just, he's very, uh, I can't even think of a single word to describe him. He's he's a lot. <laughs> and he was the first person I kind of like voiced this out loud to. And he's like, have you told Evan? And, and it was like, oh my God, you're right. <laughs> I haven't. Um, and I went home and told him like the, the next 15 minutes. But that was the, that was a really big moment for me as well. And it kind of made me realize that even though I'm not necessarily, um, it's not visible. Like most people like, you know, that know me in my life. Um, most people who aren't going to listen to this podcast uh, don't know that about me. And Evan is the reason that I am able to know that about myself. And now I'm crying. Yeah. Aww. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> we'll call it catharsis. Yeah, that's good. Solid. Well, I'm glad you have Evan. Yeah, thank you guys for asking. It's also a really big privilege to know that I have this at a, at a time like right now where I am you know, confined to my house, just like a lot of us, that I have a partner I get along with so well, and that I can, you know, have physical contact with and um, not get tired of. And that is so precious right now. And I know mm-hmm. that everybody has that. And everybody listening, I, I wish for you to find an Evan, because he's great.
Aw. Well, shout out Evan. We now love him. He's pretty great. (laughs) (laughs) He's probably not going to listen to this, but if he does, you're the best. <laughs> Make him. Um, Listen while well. he's in the room. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the guy's got time. Um, <laughs> just kidding. He's working a lot. Uh, yeah, that's it. That's me. Thank you guys for for wanting to get to know me. I guess a little bit on this podcast. It was uh, really scary, but really valuable and a lot I hope of fun. It was enjoyable. Yeah. Anybody else who wants to get to know like me and what I do. Uh, I'm easy to find on Instagram. It's Tara with Vic. That's the me. I also have a website that has like all my other social media stuff, including and it's a really bomb, cute. including a bomb playlist that uh, everybody should listen to because I love making playlists. That's my side hobby. Um, Ooh, I will check it out. You should. It's pretty. It's pretty. I can't remember which one I have linked right now, but I think it's like witchy songs, and that's Ooh. always fun. Oh, I'm know? already sold. <laughs> Throw it back. I uh, obviously everything I'm doing right now is remote. Uh, for those of you who do want tarot readings, I am doing them remotely. If you can't afford one, reach out to me because I will never say no if someone just wants like a card pulled to help them. Um, that is always on the table, just like my cards. All right. Thank you so well, much for sharing with you. us. Yeah, thanks. Ben. Thank you for joining us. It was wonderful. I'm glad we connect. I am so excited to see how it all turns out and like kind of have a backstory side to the production of a podcast yeah it's a wild ride on this side <laughs> yeah, it's, i appreciate um, all the work definitely different <laughs> it's an interesting hobby to have yeah i love it it's cool it's right, a guys. nice creative outlet though it definitely is keeps me busy i'm gonna go eat like ice cream or something and Ooh, get that sounds like a great idea. out of my heart thank you <laughs> do it recommend it all right well bye, thank you have a great night bye bye sweet angels would you like to be our next guest email us at be my beard podcast at gmail.com give us a follow on facebook instagram or youtube and let us know what you'd like to hear Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast. Theme by the marvelous Wayne Jetski. We'd also like to give a special thanks to Miles Mitchell, our lovely editor. We are forever grateful to Enzo Arona for being our studio director. All rights reserved. We would like to thank you, our listeners, for joining us on this journey. Follow your heart. And be the best you can be.